We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 244 of the pod. And he's back. Great to be back with you. Joe Musso alongside Matt Rooney. Plenty to get to here. Uh, glad we pushed the pod this week to a Friday release because uh, plenty of news coming down on Thursday. Blockbuster trade at Hallis Hall. Uh, some Rogers news earlier in the week. We've got some other NFL news to get to as well. The MLB lockout comes to a close less than 48 hours ago. And March Madness is right around the corner. Oh, it's already begun. Matt Rooney, full swing. how are you? I'm doing. Usually, we're on the other end of that recording. Look, yeah, usually yeah, for we, us, it's like do it. it's it started with the cap interview a couple of years ago. Like we asked him about a Jose Quintana trade, and then 20 yeah. minutes after the pod gets posted, he gets traded to the Cubs. Like this is we're starting to get some some of that luck switch our way. We were supposed to record yesterday. Some things got caught up. We had to push to today, and lo and behold, if if we would have recorded yesterday, we would have missed a lockout ending. And a Khalil Mack trade, which actually probably would have forced us to do an emergency pod this morning. So yep. shout out us, shout out the foresight shout we had us, yeah. to, uh, you know, to have that foresight, see that trade coming and push back the pod. You know, some people cover news, other people make news, and we like mm-hmm. to dance the line between the two. Uh, before we dive into any of it, Matt, how are you? Oh, you know, I am doing well. It's Friday. It's it's. It, I was a little bit disappointed to wake up to snow again this morning, but I can live with mm-hmm. that because we're, we're getting closer and closer. Last weekend here, I, don't, I, I know you were sending videos of yourself hitting balls last week. Last week here on Saturday was that first like fake summer day that you yeah, get yeah. in March every year, and it was like 60. It was beautiful. People were eating outside. The city was buzzing. And not only did it snow today, but then, you know, Sunday, or it was either Sunday or Monday morning, just boom, there's snow on the ground. It's like, oh, well, we're not there yet. But I can live with that because the light's at the end of the tunnel here. Lost dunes and open, opens in three weeks. Well, I'm glad you're doing physically well. Let's check in mentally on the heels of a blockbuster Khalil Mack trade. Chicago Bears pass rusher who kind of felt fleeting. You know, it felt like yeah. just yesterday was that debut game in Lambeau where the Bears obviously let that one slip, but it was the strip sack. It was the – He played so well. Back. He was, was the best player on the field. You know, he was – we were ready to put him into the ring of honor. We were ready to put him next to Erlocker and Butkus and Samurai Mike. Like he was he was on his way there. And I'm sorry if I'm just trying to do some damage control here, but it never – it never got there, you know. I think we might have set expectation too high for Khalil Mack. It, it might be because we're coming off a season where we didn't see much of him with the foot injury and a season prior to that where the production was down a little bit. I don't like the compensation package here. Sending him to L.A. for a second and a sixth, I believe. So essentially we got less for three years worth of Khalil Mack than L.A. got for a one-year rental on Von Miller. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I love the compensation here. I understand that you have to get some things in check in terms of the cap, in terms of being realistic about where this team is and when they'll be ready to win. Uh, I believe Khalil was due $84.9 million over the next three seasons. And the let's be honest, the production has tapered. Now, he could go to L.A. and could see a renaissance, and it could make us you know, feel terrible about this trade retroactively. But right now, 
sell a couple years early rather than selling a couple years too late. I would have loved to have gotten more from someone needs to explain to me why Khalil Mack is only worth a second and a sixth, but in terms of what it does for the cap and, and us being realistic about where we're, where we are at as a team, mm-hmm. yes, it hurts, but I think it was one of those moves that that was indicative of the direction of the bears moving forward, that, that, that things need to drastically change that we're not just a, a couple pieces away. I mean, I, I definitely think it had to happen. Uh, I I agree with you on the the compensation being. I don't, it was a little bit underwhelming. I didn't think they were getting a first round pick though, because in Second the NFL, in the NFL, if you're not trading a quarterback, you're trading for a, a, a big time quarterback, which you get to, you're, you're not getting a first round pick. If the option was, you know, a second and a third, but we're not taking on the whole deal, or a second and a sixth, and we're going to take on the whole deal, and yeah, this year they have twenty-four million at dead cap, but next year they're totally out of it. Um, a sixth for a is new a young, it is. we traded him for a second-round pick. Is the yeah, way so I, I, a second-round pick and completely free of his contract and cap space. So next year, now it, I, who knows how Ryan Poles is going to be able to spend it? We don't know what he's. I mean how good of a free agent talent identifier and he's going to be, but they have like 120 some million in that uh, next year in, in salary cap space. And for a young general manager, a uh, guy who wants to make his yeah. mark, I, I get it. Now you have, you do have two second round picks and everybody's saying, Oh, trade up, get Chris Olave. And if, if they do that, well, okay, fine. Like I, I would, I'd be okay with it depending on what you did to get up there. But now mm-hmm. that you have these two second round picks, also have the ability if you want to to trade out of the 40 whatever pick back up and get yourself maybe two thirds if there's two guys you like down there it gets you back in the game yes it gets you back in the game on draft day and and that's really what they needed to do and i I know that khalil mack was the name is obviously huge he's he's a very very good player but like i I, he's a 30 he's gonna be 31 he's coming off Mm -hmm. a season with a bad foot and a bad back and quite honestly after 2018, he is he showed flashes, but he was a disappointment. He yeah, he never had I, more I think than that's completely he had fair. 12, he had 12 and a half sacks in 2018, which actually is a little bit lower than I thought. But what he did in terms of forced fumbles and pressures, he was fantastic. I think that the sack numbers wasn't a problem. But after that, eight and a half, nine, six, like, and yeah, he had six and seven games this year, but he was only on the field for seven games. Um, I just I, it was. I don't think the market was as big as we wanted it to be. Unfortunately, you had to find a team with a, with a ton of cap space because you wanted to unload that entire contract and you weren't getting a first round pick for him. And I don't think that I, I don't think the, the market out there was super high for teams to take on the entirety of that deal and teams that could take on the entirety of that deal. So you found a match with the chargers were actually being reunited with Brandon Staley, who was his linebackers coach when he was here in 18 for that, that big year. I think it's a great move for him. I think it's a very good move for the Bears. The Bears are much more than a Khalil Mack away from competing this year. This team needs to reload through the draft and get some cap space for next year where they will finally have a ton of cap flexibility. So it's it's a good and deal now, for the Chicago Bears. Is, it, there's no ill will against Khalil Mack. He, no, he, not at all. He was great in 2018. It didn't quite work out. That's going to be a... That's always going to be a pretty big what if if they go on to win the Super Bowl that year or if they do, you know, they the double doink doesn't happen and does does the rest of his Bears tenure change? Is he still a Bear today because of it? Who knows? But like after all, you know, all things considered, he just he was not worth the money he was getting to be here and, you know, be not a liability on the field, but be a guy who always had the excuse of, well, I'm getting double and triple teamed and never actually really producing. 
we'll uh, we'll always have the excitement of when we traded for him. I don't know if that's yeah. I don't know. I, I don't still know how remember that. For that, like I remember that. We opened this podcast vividly. with Return of the Mac. Like everybody, yeah, like, like that. That was the that 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 song in Chicago probably shot was, up to the top of the Spotify chart. That was the that was the biggest trade in our lifetime. Um, Easily, and that's that's kind of sad that you know that's the highlight of the career. But I only say that because uh, you know. Again, no ill will towards Khalil Mack, but it was underwhelming for what he was making and the production that we expected and the way things opened up that night against Green Bay. We expected to have a defensive MVP on our team, and it just never. We expected Aaron Donald. We didn't get that. Yeah. Nothing again, nothing against. It's hard to be Aaron Donald, but that's what that's kind of the bar was set, especially, like you said, on night one. I don't think we I don't think we look back at this in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years and say the bears made such a mistake. They traded away a legendary defender. Like we, we get, we had him for what he was when he was that, like we didn't, it wasn't a, we didn't just trade away Erlocker single t- Like it wasn't a, he's not in the pantheon of legendary bears it, defenders. It was great to have him on is, the for a few years, but he, he, it never felt like he was monster of the midway, tried and true vocal leader of the defense. There was always something a little bit lacking. Mm-hmm. But like this is just kind of what happens in the NFL. Once you turn 30 and you're not a quarterback, if you're on, you know, if you're on a team, like if you're on a contending team or you've been, been with a team your entire career, sure. Maybe you stick around for a little while, figure it out. But once you're a, if you're, if you're an impact player, once you turn 30 and kind of start to hit the downslide of your career, not that Khalil Mack's going to get progressively worse that quickly, but like, you kind of start to move around a little bit. You kind of become a little bit more of a mercenary. And Mac wasn't going to win anything here. He has a chance to win something with the Chargers. It's just it's a very good deal for both sides. Yeah, I think so as well. Again, would have loved a second relevant pick. Yeah, but, getting uh, like a fourth or something, and there would have been nice. But it, it, the trade off was, like I said, probably okay. We'll give you a second and a third, but we're not taking on all the, all the contract. And I'm hearing a lot. I'm hearing a lot of people. I'm hearing a lot of people being critical. I want to make two points here. I'm hearing a lot of people be critical of Ryan Poles, but also this being your first major move as the Bears general manager tells me that he is again. We kind of kind of made this point when he chose Eberflus as his head coach yeah. and didn't listen to the brain trust. He's taken this thing as hit. This is. Yeah, this is his. What the owners think, what this person thinks, what that person thinks. He has a vision, and he is trying to put that vision into place. I, I take a little bit of solace in that fact. That's point number one. Point number two, I understand the Bears don't have this luxury, but we are seeing across the league that the salary cap is only as big of a deal as you make it out to be. If you are cash solvent, if you are liquid, if your owners have money in the bank, you can make any deal work. Mm-hmm. We just saw Dak renegotiate again. We just saw a number of other contracts get reworked. You're going to see it happen with Cooper Cup to try and keep Odell in LA. The salary cap number can be manipulated. The Bears are just not willing to do so. Ownership could say, ah. hey, here's the blank check. Let's go do what we need to do. Or, hey, Khalil, let's come back to the table. Let's talk about these three years. We want to give it to you. We want to give you two-thirds of that up front here in a signing bonus, and you're going to make $6 million a year over the next three years. Like, there's ways to manipulate the cap. The Bears are just not willing to. We, See, also, need to be, I, we also need to be aware of that fact. I disagree with that a little bit because they let Ryan Pace do that pretty often with a lot of guys. They let like, Khalil Mack is – is subject number one. They kick the can down. The, that's why they're on the hook for $24 million in dead cap this year is because he's 
in a row, they restructured his deal. Um, Eddie Jackson, they gave a whole thing. But why? What's the point of kicking it this year to go 7-10? I get get what you're saying. Player player specific to this situation. Yeah, if the the Bears were going to be a a contender this this year and were 11-5 last year and they traded Kalimak for a second-round pick, I'd be very upset. But what's the point in kicking the can down the road, mortgaging the future even more, giving yourself more dead cap space down the road, to go seven and ten well, in a division, I you're not going to win. No, I would say I would say that the point of doing that is to then build the team that can win something over the next three years, while you have a quarterback mm-hmm. on a rookie contract who doesn't have to be paid yet. Because while you're opening up this cap space to build the team, well, the team's going to be built in two years, three years, and then you're going to be talking about giving nine figures to a quarterback. So, like, mm-hmm. there's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a there's always going to be a money issue if your ownership is not willing to cut the check. If your ownership's not willing to pay a big signing day bonus today, if your ownership can't do that, you're always going to have a problem because your financials are never going to line up perfectly. It's never going to be rookie uh, rookie quarterback good enough to win on a team that's great enough to win. You know, like someone's always mm-hmm. going to have to get paid, and if you can't pay that guy, you're not going to win. See, I just uh, th- I guess in this certain situation, that's kind of where I disagree because I think they did do that with Khalil Mack. They let Ryan Pace do that a lot to go out and try and get guys. He just messed up at every turn. He went and. Yeah. Instead of finding someone worthy of that, that is, money, he went and gave that, that, that money to Jimmy Graham and then Nick the, Foles and the then second Bobby step, Massey. The, like the yeah, second step the, is kick the can down the road, but then go get the, the money, right guys. Yeah, you create the money, let, but then yeah, you got let, to do the right thing with the money. They let him create the money. He just didn't know how to do the right thing with the money. And at this point, yeah. Ryan Foles is probably just his, his thought process is probably. I don't need to create the money right now. We're not there, and hopefully, in a year or two, you know, in, in a year, we can have a get a draft this year that we really like. Um, maybe use that second round pick, like I said, on somebody. Draft up or trade up, trade down, whatever you want to do. And then next year, when you have 121 million dollars in, in, in cap space to go out and spend in free agency, go hit a couple home runs, and then maybe by next year, you can get your. You've gotten younger. You've gotten cheaper. You have less dead money on your uh, on your salary cap, which is I, like we said, it's it's manipula- You can manipulate that a little bit, but at some point you have to pay the piper on it. And I, I think that's just kind of if Khalil Mack was twenty eight, I don't think this trade is made. But I think yeah, since Khalil Mack is is thirty, and that hopefully after this year is a reload year, get younger, get cheaper. Khalil Mack would have been thirty two, and. It, I know you can still produce 32. Robert Quinn's doing it, but with how banged up Mac has been, and he has a back issue and he has a foot issue, that's just a risky guy to tie all that money into. Which is, yeah, I, I get it. I, I I don't know who who the, uh, who lines up and looks as going to be free agents next year, but um, I don't know. I, I I get it. I like the move. Is I think down the road Ryan Poles will be given that flexibility like Ryan Pace was. It's just going to be a matter of can he actually execute and bring in the right guys do it the rams didn't use that money on odell and use that money on von miller yeah. um use that money on matthew stafford we'll, we'll just have to wait and see um here's a super loser approach the pressure of winning is completely off of justin field's shoulders this year i mean he he can go out there and much as he had that leeway last year we just want to see you develop we just don't want to see you mm-hmm. play well you don't have to win twelve games. That that pressure's that pressure's not there. I'm sorry. We can't we we can't put that pressure on the kid with this team. You can't put that pressure on the kid mm-hmm. having just given away the biggest chip on your defense, not named Roquan Smith. You can't yeah. 
put that pressure on the kid. If you're not building a team to win this year, then you cannot expect the quarterback to make you win this year. And I'm not saying that that's good, bad, or otherwise, but that's the reality of the situation. So when we go out there and we win five games next year, when we win four games next year, let's not put that all on Justin Field's shoulders if that shouldn't all be put on Justin Field's shoulders is what I'm saying. Totally agree. I think there's a – you're looking – I mean, honestly, I'm treating this year, this upcoming year, a lot like we did last year with Justin, not with the whole team, but with Justin because, unfortunately, they made the dumb decision of keeping the old regime that they knew were going to be lame ducks and probably have to fire after one year to develop their quarterback in his rookie year. And now it's essentially you, you burn one year of his rookie deal. Granted, he does have the NFL experience, speed, and all that, but like now he's kind of going into his second rookie year with a new staff. Um, but you're looking for development out of a guy, uh, out of an incredibly talented quarterback with a guy coming in as an offensive coordinator that's seen as a pretty sharp mind and a pretty sharp quarterback developer. So I think this year, even more than like last year, you knew you needed Justin Fields to show you the raw talent flashes because you knew he wasn't yeah. going to be developed all that much because Matt Nagy, you know, we don't have to say his name anymore. Um, this year we have, we have Aaron Rodgers quarterback coach and say what you want about Aaron Rodgers needing a quarterback coach or not. But the, the guy, the guy loved, loved Luke Getze. The Packers yeah. had nothing but good things to say about Luke Getze. Like he, he's, he's a guy that comes from, uh, pretty good NFL circles coaching trees and is highly thought of. And I'm excited to see that development team tandem, whatever you want to talk about between him mm-hmm. and I need Justin Fields to go out and have, have, you know, good year, show signs, show flashes, show development. The defense is probably going to lose him some games, but like, I need Justin Fields to go out and win me one game. Like last year, he almost did that against the Steelers, and the defense couldn't hold on, and the refs kind of stepped in. But like, I, I see, need I him get to go out, go like if you if we can finish five and eleven, we can finish six and or five and twelve, six and eleven, whatever. But like, if one of those six couple game winning drives, yeah, like yeah. a game winning drive against, I mean, ideally one of them is against the Packers. But like, go out and win me a game that we probably shouldn't have won. Go out and be competitive yeah. against a team that you probably shouldn't be. Oh, I'm not and, saying and, and I'm not saying he has carte blanche. I'm not saying oh, he has no, carte I, blanche. I want to see I want to see oh, him I know, take I less hits. Mean. Totally I agree take less saying. hits. I want to see him take care of the ball. I, I can't. You can't put the ball on the ground twelve times next season, whether or not you lose those fumbles or not, or whatever the number was. Um, you got to take care of the ball. You can't take the hits. And I'd like to see a couple game winning drives. Like that's yeah, we need like to that's, see. I want. We got to see development. We we're just not going to see wins. We're just not yeah. going to see that many wins. You last know? year, last year, I think we would both say was a positive season for Justin Fields. Were there times where you were like, eh, where he didn't look great? Yes, but I also attribute some of that to the coach that was in his ear all the time, and all, he was a, a very raw talent. But like you said, we need to see better ball protection. We need to see him take less hits. And like that's not necessarily an offensive line thing. That's a knowing when to live to fight another down thing. We need to see some growth. But by all accounts, he seems like a really smart kid. He was a very smart quarterback at Ohio State. And now we need to see that year two development, year two jump and, in all those little areas, the fundamentals. One thing, one thing that he had on his side last year that he will not have on his side this year is relativity. We were looking at Justin Fields through the lens of not only him being a rookie quarterback thrust into a situation, but relative to the production of Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, and Andy Dalton. He doesn't have mm-hmm. that on his side. He is now compared to Justin Fields. Who, who Justin Fields was the rookie player. Like, mm-hmm. you get compared to yourself in year two. So it's just about stacking those bricks and being better than you were last year. So, yeah. I mean, we could talk at nauseum about the development of the quarterback or where this team is headed in the short term or long term, but you sort of alluded to the bigger news within the division there, and it's the fact that Aaron Rodgers will continue to torment our dreams for the next yeah. uh, two to four years. Uh, signed a four-year deal. 
reported four-year, $200 million deal, 50 average annual, would make him the highest-paid player in the history of the league. Those numbers, he refuted himself on Twitter. Uh, McAfee, who's in his pocket, Pat McAfee, refuted yeah. those as well. So um, not necessarily the— It'll be around uh, that. It'll be, it'll be around that number. Matt, I got to pause there. I'm going to get my call. Okay, cool. All right, Matt. So I, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll ask it this way. I know how I felt when it happened. Were you affected by this? I, I, if it, it kind of seemed like this was the direction we were heading with Aaron Rodgers. Your general reaction was what? Yeah, not really surprised. Sad a little bit, but like not. Not terribly surprised because you did kind of. I immediately see went like, to. I immediately went to. We gotta go through him. We can't go around him. Like I, I, my brain just flipped I, right there. I do kind <laughs> of like. I think that's like. I don't know. It's like the it's Bears whatever. aren't. The, the, the Bears aren't. I, I am I surprised it was four years. Yes, I thought it was going to be like a two year thing. I did mm-hmm. not see a four year deal coming, but I guess that's what he really wanted to leverage. And it, but it might be two real years. And yeah, then, I mean, it's. it's I think it's. It's a, the at least the report that Rogers then refuted was three years guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, so probably going to be three years. I don't know. Maybe in the third year of that, the Bears are in a good good enough spot. And like uh, you tweeted it kind of meatballishly, but you're right. Like if Justin Fields is the guy, he's going to have to beat guys like Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to have to we'll find yeah. that out kind of quickly. Like they're they're going to have to beat him. Would I rather not had to? Yes, I would have rather had to wait till the playoffs to kind of deal with those guys. Um, but I don't know. Like let's let's go ahead and do it. And like I know you said the salary cap you can kind of get around everything but like the packers are their salary cap when assuming that you know they, they're franchising Devonte adams assuming that they're going to want to work out an extension with him whether it's before the deadline and when they can or and next year. I, I go as far as to say matt you have to i think that, that i agree stipula- i think that that was a stipulation to aaron Rodgers agreeing to this deal was Devonte gets paid. Yeah, tagged right now but before july 15th he better have a three or four year deal in front of him i don't think he was coming back without getting Devonte taken care of uh, Correct. so I, i'm with you there but like so between those two guys if Aaron, so say aaron is getting 50 million a year on the his cap hits 50 mil or whatever 45 million whatever it's going to be Devonte's probably going to be around 30 so that's 75 million dollars no, of your cap space david bakhtiari's cap hit i believe is like 30 something next year aaron jones is locked up for like 13 or 14 a year like they're going to have next year i i believe they can't get out of bakhtiari's contract for like two more years they're going to have half of their salary cap, just about a half their salary cap committed to four guys all on one yep. side of the ball. Like I, I don't care how manipulative you, you can get with salary cap space because like Rogers contract is almost all full. Like it's three, three of the four years are going to be guaranteed. So you can't really kick the can down the road that much further. It's going to be really tough to build a team around them. Um, but I don't know if I think Aaron in his head is all I need is Devontae and we'll have a chance. I'm not sure that's going to be the case, but more power to them. And they, they kind of, they better do it this year because I think after this year, they're going to be in some serious, they're going to have to make some serious decisions and they're going to have to draft really, really well um, in order to be a competitive, a truly competitive team come playoff time. Uh, We must protect Kyle Shanahan at all costs. That's all I know that, that, uh, that the, the 49ers are, our one true hope, or or the Rams, Tom, or we, Tom, come back, Tom, come back. We, we, go Tom, play with you. To come back. Go to San Fran. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That uh, would you, be you awesome. Like if Tom said, Brady, it, like a week later, just completely stole the spotlight from Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah, actually, I'm come back, and I was just traded to San Francisco. So if this means, Boom. if this if this means we have to play Aaron Rodgers six more times, 
six more opportunities to peel one off of them with no expectation of doing so. So yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's a strange time to be a Bears fan as it usually is. Um, we're going to win some games that we shouldn't. We're going to lose a lot of games that we probably should win. I, it's just it is what it is. It is what it always yep. is. Let's hope. Let's hope again that the quarterback can develop, and we could turn this thing around in the short term, like the Cincinnati Bengals. That it's not. Uh, it, it's not impossible. It's so really, should, it truly isn't. So should, should we um, should we talk about one quarterback deal to another? Like with, with yeah, the Russ I mean, going to Denver, well, I get, what to you? What's the bigger, more impactful deal? Russ to Denver or Green Bay hanging on to Aaron? Russ to Denver. Green Bay hanging on to Aaron. Green Bay hanging on to Aaron doesn't change. It remains to keep the status quo. It keeps yeah. It, it keeps Green Bay relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, Green Bay was going to be the favorite in the division. Green Bay might have been the favorite in the division with Jordan Love as the quarterback. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. They they they, they the Vikings, okay. Vegas Vegas would have put Minnesota there, but I don't believe I. You can't trust Minnesota as far as you can throw. Also, so, maybe the Bears. It's irrelevant. It wouldn't have changed. It wouldn't have changed much. It's irrelevant. Um, yeah. Russ sort of shifts, and I, I don't think Russ changes much within that division. Personally, Vegas does. Uh, their odds jumped, I believe, from uh, f- plus four fifty to plus two fifty to win the division. Uh, they went from eighteen to one to twelve to one to win the Super Bowl. So Vegas thinks this is a big bump, and we're going to see if Russ is that sort of bump. Denver was was a decent football team, minus mm-hmm. their quarterback and some offensive inefficiencies a year ago. So. This is very much in line with go get the quarterback and he immediately makes you a contender, but you got to go through a murderer's row in that division and then within that conference. But it is the more impactful move because I'd say more parties are affected here. Seattle truly is moving into a rebuild. Uh, you got a 70-year-old head coach. You just got rid of your defensive captain and your offensive captain. It's like they're turning a page, and it's going to be dark days in Seattle for a little while. I kind of thought Denver, that was a home run deal for home run return for them too. I, I thought, yeah, they, I mean, they got a big package better. between uh, what was it, Fant, Lock, Fant, two more first-round picks. Yeah, Lock, two uh, firsts. Uh, so, show, so, like, yep. so if you're going to rebuild, they now have the ammunition to do so. Like mm-hmm. if they were ready to move on and, and turn that page, heartbreaking for Seattle fans. It, it, it is. is the it is the admission that it's over, you know, and I think we're hanging on to something that was over a couple of years ago. So they rip the Band-Aid off, they move Russ, and now the pressure is squarely on Russ's shoulders. We will see if last year was all because of the shoulder in hand or if there is a plateau and downturn in front of him. Um it's a lot of pressure. I think that uh, it makes that, like I said, it makes that division just even more daunting to have to go through. So maybe mm-hmm. there's a little bit of uh, cannibalism there and it opens it up for the rest of the AFC, but far and beyond the more impactful move there. I, I think I, I say that because relative to the Rodgers move with Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers are penciled in, or they're etched into the playoffs and penciled into the NFC title game. I'm sorry. I think they're. I will. I will never pencil them in the NFC title game. They should. They were this year, and then they went and lost at home to San Francisco, fourteen to ten, or whatever it was. So I'm not going to give them that. But they are. They're etched into a home first round playoff game, and that's about all I, I feel comfortable giving Aaron Rodgers. But the, the, the Russell, uh, the Russell Wilson move. I, I with with how the Chiefs have been trending during the regular season the last couple of years. I know we saw flashes, but then again against the Bengals, like they kind of. Uh, they struggled in the second half and were not themselves. They, they haven't seen, seen themselves the last couple of years with how Denver plays defense. Like are, they might be the favorites in that division for me. I, I, I Kansas city has played with their food way too much for the last two or three years. 
And I just, I don't think they're going to be capable. Now, they're still obviously a playoff team. And when they get into the playoffs, they are as dangerous as anybody. But in terms of winning that division, I'm not sure that's like, it's definitely not the lock that it seemed like it's been for the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's probably not that hot of a take, but like Denver's defense is really good. They have some offensive talent. They now have a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl. And like you said, we need to make sure last year was not the beginning of a, you know, downturn in production because he's getting old. We we have to make sure it was just his thumb was that bad and he should have came back. But if he's right and he's good, like Russ is a really, really darn good quarterback. So that's what Denver's needed for a long time. I guess I've just, um, I guess I've just assigned some of the last two years worth of Seattle's failure to him, and I think that we're a lot closer to a downturn than we are to a uh, just any sort of. You might be right. To seeing, I, to seeing Russ cooking, to seeing like to seeing that deep ball drop down to the sky, but I, it's, we'll find out pretty quickly. We are, and it's going to make for the most competitive division in football, and yeah. that I'm very much looking forward to. Vegas is not an easy out. We know the Chiefs are not an easy out. It's just one game after another is going mm-hmm. to be thrilling, and that I'm excited for. Um, yeah, like Vegas, Vegas is going to be a six or seven win team next year because the the division is so bad, but they're going to play a whole bunch of close games. They're going to beat a lot of teams outside of the division. They couldn't because they're going to be so battle tested and like they're, they're a good football team, but yeah, they're, they're going to struggle. Let's wrap up. Let's wrap up the NFL talk here with a simple question of Europe. You're a general manager, Matt, you still need a quarterback. So let's say Carolina, let's say uh, Pittsburgh, let's say, you know, the, the teams that are still shopping. Yeah. Who's the first call you're making right now? Vegas, about Derek Carr. I okay. am, I, my, my call is, I mean, I, you're, I don't know how Josh McDaniels feels about Derek Carr. Uh-huh. I like, I, I, if I'm, if I'm Indy or if I'm, like you said, Carolina or whoever, that's the call I'm trying to make to get him out because like we were just talking about, as good, as nice of a player as he is, he's the fourth best quarterback in that division. That's not a knock on him. He's in a division with three He's probably the fourth best quarterback in that division. We I disagree. Do you think Russ is the worst quarterback in that division? I do. Okay. I, we'll know in a couple weeks who the worst quarterback in that division is. It's not, not a couple weeks, a couple weeks into this. And season. that's the, uh, the, in the same breath that you say no disrespect to Carr, no disrespect to Russ. Fair, that's, that's fair. Just, it's it's, that's it's just, not a knock have, on either quarterback. You have four like top 12 you have quarterbacks a Super Bowl, You have a Super Bowl winning, you have a Super Bowl winning MVP. You have a all-world young talent that has shown mm-hmm. amazing signs that I'll raise my hand I was wrong on. Another you have, a guy who has, you have a guy who has, if you total the last three seasons, has led the league in passing yards and has one of the best touchdown-to-interception ratios in the game in Derek yeah. Carr. He does not get the respect that he should. He and does. that's why that's why I don't think a trade would happen either is because in that building, he gets that respect. And if they were to field offers for him, they're going to want a king's ransom and another front office probably doesn't think he's worth that because the because there is a misconception of who Carr is. So that's still though um, that is the you asked who the like who who the first no yeah I'm who are you calling that's, that's the first call I'm making. That's a good first call. On, I think the, like I think the second call when that doesn't happen is Jimmy G. I think Garoppolo. I think mm-hmm. Garoppolo can do good things in Indianapolis. I, I, I really agree. Think I, th- I think he's a perfect fit for Indy and what they want to do because Indy can. I felt the same a, way. I felt the same way about the situation in Washington. I felt like he really could have fit in Washington with a solid defense on the other side. I, mm-hmm. I, 
I don't know what Washington I think is thinking, but Indy, uh, who knows what Washington's ever thinking. <laughs> I think Indy, I think Indy is the perfect fit for him because Indy does a lot on offense. What kind of San Francisco like does and what they were successful doing the last few years is they have a great offensive line. They have an all world talent at running back for right now and probably will be for the next couple of years. Uh, they, they have decent weapons on the outside. I mean, Michael Pittman's a, a nice weapon on the outside. They need to probably add one or two more pieces, but they, they, they have some talent on the offensive side. They want to control and run the football. Jimmy G knows how to run it. I, people laugh, but like knowing how to run a running offense is important. You need to know where yeah. to, what plays to check to, when to check out of certain things, what, what, you know, sides you want to identify, you, you want to attack all that stuff. He's good at doing that. He knows how to read that. He's been doing that in San Francisco for the last few years. You have a good defense in Indy. Like I, it, it's a, it's a very solid defense and, yeah, their defensive coordinator's not there, but that probably doesn't mean that big of a drop-off because they're a talented group. I think that's a perfect fit, and I think if they add a Jimmy G, or if they, if they add Derek Carr, they're favorites for me in that division. If they add a Jimmy G, I think they're even money with uh, with Tennessee to win the AFC East. Uh, Matt, we know you're a busy man here. You have a show to host in uh, about 15 minutes, so let's get to some baseball talk here. The lockout ends on its 99th day just to outline some of the points that were agreed upon. Uh, CBT threshold, $230 million, peaks at 244. Uh, there's a penalty tier, kind of getting into the weeds there. Minimum salary bumped to $700,000, peaks to 780 in the final year of the CBA. Uh, mm-hmm. Pre-arbitration bonus pool grew to $50 million, not where the players wanted. I think the original number was a buck twenty, but it started at like, the ARB pool was nothing that the owners uh, were putting out there. Yeah. Season formats expanded to 12 teams. Bases get bigger. We're going to have a pitch clock. We're going to have uh, what are so, uh, no, the shift, shift has been banned. We have a universal DH. Total sum of the parts here, Matt. It's great that we're back to playing baseball. We're going to get a full 162-game season, shortened uh, spring training, and then some reschedules at different points. So it's going to be a true marathon, and I do think that we see some of that rear its head in the form of injury. But just on the surface here, we're back to baseball next week. How do you feel? Uh, I'm thrilled that we have it. Um, it's the, the it seemed kind of dead in the water, and every time there was progress, obviously it seemed like they would take one step forward, three steps back. Glad mm-hmm. they got it done. In terms of the changes you made, like we'll, we'll feel those come off-season time here and there, but like the ones that will stick out that will be the most noticeable will be the ones on the field. And I, I actually think – now I don't actually know what bigger bases does to in, increase uh, – you know, to, to improve – pace of game and all that but it's, I, a, the it's owner, a player it's been explained to me as a player safety thing um, that makes sense because you know there's going to be less ankles stepped on there's going to be less fingers yeah. broken from tags so okay that's fine it do, i mean it doesn't really bother me that's not going to make that big of a difference um i was it, i was originally i think we've talked about on the podcast a couple years ago anti-ban the shift but I do think that baseball's gotten to the point where it's literally just strike out or home run because the, the art of the base hit was kind of taken away. And I think uh-huh. in terms of actually making the game more watchable, making the game more entertaining, giving the game more action, banning the shift is a good thing. So I'm actually, I, I've shifted camps and I'm very okay with that. And I'm you glad shifted we got the on universe. the shift? I have shifted on the shift. That's okay. true. Uh, I'm um, also, I'm, I'm, I love the universal DH. It's about time. Like, yeah. We don't need to worry about, we don't need to have Tony LaRusa trying to figure out if he can pinch run for his pitcher in the top of the ninth or whatever. Like just 
just have a universal DH. Just it's fine. We now, don't need Liam Hendricks running bases. Going back to the uh, banning the shift, I think it's a bit of a misnomer. I I haven't seen the exact rule, but I would be led to believe that banning the shift, quote unquote, would mean you have to start the the pitch when the pitch is thrown. You have to have two infielders on the left side of second yes. base and two infielders on the right side of second base. So you could still shift. Yes, you could still you could still bring your shortstop right over the bag at second, move your second baseman over, take your third baseman into left field, shift your center fielder mm-hmm. into right center, and put your left fielder in center. So you're going to have long center and third base wide open, shifting everything to the right side of the field on a lefty pull hitter like Joey mm-hmm. Gallo. You're still going to be able to move to that side. It just cannot be as drastic as every defender on the right side of second base. Agreed. Um, so I think it's a little I'm bit of a misnomer that. in that fair. sense. They're not creating. They're not creating X's that the players have to stand on. That's not mm-hmm. what's going to happen here. Uh, um, that, so that, that's that's that's, that's how yeah. I come to. I guess that's how I come to peace with it. There's still going to be strategy. There's still going to be shifting. It just can't be as drastic because yes, which I think talk is, about pace. Yeah, of, I agree. If you want to talk about pace of play, you know what took up time? Having your third baseman run to center field to to <sighs> shift, or having like that shifting and then shifting back takes time mm-hmm. too. So. Um, I have no problem with that. Um, I'm I'm excited that we're going to have baseball. I'm excited that we have a uh, a good team to root for because if we were going to be robbed of a season of White Sox baseball where they're actually relevant, that would have stunk. Yeah, um, it's going to be nice. To, I mean, we talk about getting lucky, catching breaks. That you know, we we recorded the pod a day late. I, I have a feeling things are going to start moving very fast here in the next couple of days. Whether it's this afternoon, tomorrow, in terms of yeah. signs, signings, trades, all that kind of. Uh, movement because free agency, I believe, is now officially open. That's going to start happening really soon because teams have to get going. The season starts in a month or less than a and month. You can't tell me that Boris wasn't on the phone for the last 99 days. Oh, I mean, uh, it leaked like a week ago that the Rays made an, quote, made an offer, quote unquote, before the lockout to Freddie Freeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they yeah. called Freddie Freeman's agent during the lockout and said and, it was uh, wild that the Rays are making that offer. But no, they, they, there have been negotiations. The, the Sox and who, the A's have probably been talking about trading in terms of their pitching. Like there's there's going to be moves quick because these negotiations have been happening. Bunch of people, uh, bunch of people were calling for medicals on Correa um, prior to the lockout. A bunch of people were, you know, there's there were a number of uh, there's there's been some due diligence, and let's yeah. just leave it at that. Give um, me before we move. Give me for we'll be Homer, it be White Sox guys here for a okay. second. Give me one name you want the white you want to be at it. You're you're biggest target go ad for the Chicago White Sox in this this five day sprint of an offseason. Mm. I mean who's I'm trying to think who's the best arm available. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also thinking our my, my arm that I would be well first off my first call would be to Carlos Rodon about trying to sign a one year twenty million dollar deal overpay for okay. him one year try and keep him. But I would be on the on the phone with Oakland about Chris Bassett or Sean Manaya. Or I probably not getting both because the Paul would be massive, but that's my yeah. that's my first phone call. They need they need pitching, but like Chris Bassett gives them some gives them a a starter that is a little bit different than what they have. A lot of fireballers, obviously a little bit. They do it in different ways. You know, Gio yeah. has a slider changeup. Lance Lynn has three different kinds of fastballs, but like they don't. Keiko was supposed to be that guy, but he fell off a cliff last year. Like. They don't have the crafty change of you know change up the look kind of you know, slower pinpoint accuracy kind of pitcher, 
And we saw in the playoffs, they missed that quite a bit because mm-hmm. how many times did Houston draw walks or, you know, get 0-2 counts to 3-2 counts? Like, they need that kind of guy that can go attack in the, you know, attack a strike zone. Chris Bassett and Sean Manai are two guys that can do that. Manai is obviously a lefty, Bassett's a righty. They probably need a lefty starter more. But if you tell me they got one of those guys, um, I'm all in on that. I think that would be a perfect addition to what's going to be a, yeah. a, a talented rotation. I think that's the uh, first place you got to look. And if we're talking non-pitcher, like, can I can I still want Trevor Story? Am I of course. am I still allowed to want? Am You're I still allowed, allowed to Trevor want Trevor Story. Story? Okay. Can well, Trevor Story put, play second base? Is he put me down? Put me down for Trevor Story too. Okay. I, I assume. I mean, we're talking about professional infielders. Yeah. I don't think the learning curve is that tough. Moving third to second, um, or what, short to I, second. Like, I think I think he's fine. This this will be a meatball Homer. Sorry, not sorry, a- Homer take. I don't know how much he wants, man, but Kyle Schwarber with that short porch in right field, having the protection, <laughs> having the protection of Abreu and Eloy, like that guy could hit fifty. Bring Schwarbs, bring bring, bring Schwarbs home. That's why Schwarbs, or if if Michael Conforto's that guy, I know he kind of underperformed in New York, but I also think he's a, he's a person that being the focal point in the lineup, he's probably not going to produce a ton, but a left-handed power bat hitting in between guys like Abreu and, and Robert and Moncada and Eloy. Like, I think that's a guy, if you give him protection with a, with a short portion, right? He can be a 40, you know, 35 home run guy. Give me a, talking, give me a left-handed power bat. Huh? It's nice give me, or Chris Bryant. You want to bring Chris Bryant? Fine. Chris he can play second. Bryant, huh? I have no doubt that Chris, I have no doubt that you could, that Chris Bryant, if you gave him a spring, could figure out second base and be a pretty solid second baseman. So let's do that. Everyone, build, give us everyone. His build scares me on the right side of the bag. Uh, he's Fair just enough. a big dude, you know. Um, but we'd make it work. We'd no we'd doubt make it make work. It work. Matt, quickly before we say goodbye here, March Madness on the way. Conference tournaments are in full mm-hmm. throws. Um, how much have you watched? How dialed are you? I've had to get, I'd have, I've had to get back into it in a mm-hmm. big way here since football season ended. Um, so I think I have a good feel of who's who and what's what heading into tournament time. Do you have a team you like? Do you have a dark horse? Like who are you feeling good about? I've taken, I've done my normal, usual take a crash course like the last week of February on college mm-hmm. basketball and try and figure out who's good. Um, Homer pick, but after the the big Saturday win at Cameron Indoor, I think Carolina's playing really good basketball and, and playing their best basketball at a great time. They absolutely blew out Virginia last night. Uh, depth is their issue there, so that's that's obviously come tournament time. You get one star in foul trouble. They're they're pretty mm-hmm. thin on the bench, so that's going to hurt them. But they they're going to have some. In- I have it at plus eight hundred future on them to win the ACC tournament. I, I like that. But in terms of going all the way. Kentucky is just a team that uh, even in their like losses Kentucky. this year, they've looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Fenwick Fryer, Bryce Hopkins on the roster. had a pretty He's had, had a pretty solid year as a bench player, you know, coming off the bench for them. I think I like Kentucky, uh, but that SEC has been – we're used to the SEC being a terrible basketball conference like Kentucky against nobody else. Man, you've got some really good teams in there between Kentucky, between Arkansas, Tennessee has been really good. Bama and LSU were down this year, but like last year, they were both really good basketball teams. So I, I think whoever, whichever one of those SEC teams kind of emerges, whatever gauntlet they run in the NCAA tournament comes out through into the Sweet 16 Elite Eight or a team to watch out for for me. Yeah, um, I think those are some nice, uh, I wouldn't call them sleepers, but some nice no. teams down the board that you Not one seeds. take deep into your brackets, non-one seeds. Um Gonzaga is great, but they, they they don't get tested enough throughout the season for me to feel good about them. Um, mm-hmm. 
Chad Holmgren's so much fun to watch. Drew Timmy, Nemhart. They got a great roster. Probably the best roster of anybody. But like, are, can you can you not blink? Can you stay yeah. focused? Can you beat a Auburn when you need to? Can you beat a Kentucky when you need to? Can you beat a Kansas when you need to? Can you beat a Duke when you need to? Like, there's there's some talent across the country. My uh, my sleeper, not to do anything uh, all that um, impressive, but. Take them a couple rounds into your bracket. South Dakota State is a okay. dangerous team. That's a sleeper if you're looking for one. Arkansas is a sleeper to take deeper into your bracket. I love the Illini, but same thing is maybe not the same thing as Gonzaga, but similar to Gonzaga, where like I'm just the the floor worries me. Like they've they've shown the ability to lose that yeah. focus and drop when they shouldn't, and come tournament time, that's that's pretty damning. That's Purdue, remember Purdue I just, too. I love their Purdue, talent. I, just, but they I, just... I always have a tough time picturing Purdue winning the big one you know yeah very good team massive in massive front court but they play smaller than the roster reads sometimes mm-hmm. um villanova is another team right there where like i'm really interested in four through eight in the ap pool one through mm-hmm. three being gonzaga arizona baylor solid teams not sure that i believe in arizona baylor's tough they've lost some games they shouldn't but Auburn, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, Nova, and even Loop Purdue in at number nine. Yeah, I think the champion comes from somewhere in that group. I, I really do. Um, uh, I it, it's a there there isn't the Duke of you know two years ago with with Zion and Barrett and Reddish, but like there are so many teams that can go out and win the national title this year. Like Gonzaga is the the you know like you said the 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 best team, kind of the the favorite going into all of this. Like they're they're the the team to team to beat team to watch out for but like i anybody like i you could see a five seed a top like a, a five or a four seed make a run and win it this year like there it's, it's a wide open race for college basketball and like while it might not be great for ratings to not have the villain the fact that it's so incredibly unpredictable and there is not one team that can't lose on a given weekend it's just what makes march madness march madness God, it's march baby um joe where can we find the best coverage for march madness Always on CBS Sports HQ. That's what I thought. Pre-game, post-game, selection Sunday, big show coming down. Uh, We're going to have you covered throughout the conference tournaments and then into This for me is prime CBS Sports HQ season because we have we have you know we have the best we have the best sports theme song in sports. We have the best college basketball coverage in, in in the world. And then once college basketball ends, we get towards the end of that. Well, golf takes over. Sound, the CBS takes over golf coverage, and we get our we get our Masters, which is we'll right around at the, the corner. Yeah. My yeah. God, CBS! I, 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 I gotta have CBS Sports HQ on like on speed dial on my TV. Uh, actually, little little bit of inside baseball here. Next week, I am heading down to Florida for a few shifts because our there studio up here, our studio up here, uh, is tied up with. Uh, our soccer shows because it's big time Champions League, yeah. something or other going on, and all of the sponsorships were sold, so they can't move it. So they're sending they're sending the big right arm down to Florida mm-hmm. Studio to do uh, the first weekend of games. So tune in; that'll be Moose from Florida, and uh, we'll be bringing you all the highlights and reaction that you need on CBS Sports HQ. That'll, that'll be a tough time for you chilling down in Florida in the nice warm weather. Well, it's, I am uh, we stealing an extra. I am stealing an extra day on Friday to just. Just get some sun on the face. You know, yes, just, you should. Just I mean, if you're going to be on, if you're going to be on TV, you got to get you know, you got to lay down the base natural layer, glow. Maybe do a couple hours at the spa, get a rub down. You know, mm. you got to you got to keep you got to keep it loose. You got to keep. You're it bringing the sticks, right? 
had to, no, I'm not because I would, oh. I would, I would either play Friday and then that's it um, because I'm working Saturday, Sunday. But fair um, enough. I think I'm using Friday as just a, uh, as okay. just a, uh, a poolside, spa side, uh, just kind of get the mind R&R, right for some R&R. Day. Exactly, exactly. I like that. Okay, I like um, that. All right. Well, before, uh, uh, before we say goodbye, Matt, you got anything else for the people? Uh, I don't. I don't think I do. All right. Well, thank you for emptying the tank without being asked. Uh, And with that, we thank you for tuning in to Moose and Roots Podcast, episode 244. Alongside Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musa. We appreciate you guys as always. It's great time to be a sports fan right now, but that doesn't mean you can't pound that mailbag. We're getting some good mailbag submissions. And if you're not, if they're not getting answered, folks, it's because we're, we're saving up. We're saving up. We're we're 250. 250 is six weeks away. We're going to hit that uh, little post-masters lull there, and we'll have a nice uh, Moose and Runes 250 for you right in that pocket. But for now, he is Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. We bid you adieu. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was Awesome! <laughs> Chicken on the steak was the number. <laughs>